Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Fellowship and LFBI. Now, this week, uh, I'm very privileged to have a dear friend of mine, Joe McKeg, here with us. He's pastor at Decatur Baptist Church in Decatur, Alabama. And uh, he actually has got a, a great story. And uh, because this is his first time on our show, I want to make sure that you hear his testimony about how he grew up and uh, how he came to Christ and how he found himself in the ministry and uh, and also just how he grew a heart for missions, what that looked like. Uh, if you've been uh, listening to this podcast for, for any time at all, you've probably realized that among the Living Faith Fellowship churches, uh, we care a lot about the Great Commission and about church planting and sending missionaries all over the world. And uh, today I want Joe to share from his heart uh, how that culture began to grow within him. And so, Joe, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's Thankful a, for you. It's a real privilege. Let's just start simply by maybe you just share how you grew up, what your sure. family was like. Yeah. Uh, tell us about how you found yourself in church and and especially how you came to know Christ. Yeah, well, I, I was very fortunate. I uh, grew up with a mom and a dad that, that knew Jesus, loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. My dad... Uh, I grew up in rural Georgia, just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, okay. up on Lookout Mountain. Uh, kind of that sounds the, like a, really a beautiful place. A beautiful place to I be. I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but uh, I, I do enjoy going back now. Lookout and, Mountain sounds like a Woody Guthrie song. Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, you know, the the band Alabama uh, wrote songs okay. about Lookout Mountain. Maybe. Oh, okay. You know, there you go. Little, I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm not a country music fan, but uh, you don't you have to be if you're from that part of the world. Or is there? A- Somehow I got a pass. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I, I made it out without without okay. getting into that. But cool. Uh, yeah, my uh, so it's real rural, very very small place, small community. Mm-hmm. My dad came to Christ in the '40s through the ministry of of a prominent church there, independent church in Chattanooga, okay. Highland Park Baptist Church. Dr. Lee Robertson and okay. Uh, and Dr. Robinson at that time was starting churches in those rural areas and, mm. and really had a vision for reaching rural America and, and sending guys out of his school to, wow. to pastor them. And so my dad connected with that. He actually donated the land, built the building. And wow, so, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So incredible privilege. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to have parents like that. And so we were in church all the time. Mm. Uh, two doors from our house, you know, we walked there. And so, so you know, I, I heard the gospel. From my birth, I, I can't mm-hmm. ever remember not being involved in church, wow. uh, and, and so it was a little—it uh, was a little legalistic, uh, you know. And uh, through the seventies, you know, so some there's some oh, yeah. crazy things that went on, yeah. but but all in all, the gospel was there. And so, uh, as a nine-year-old, uh, I trusted Christ as my Savior. You know, I, I remember the the conviction that I was under, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that I was separated from God by my sin, and that if if something happened to me, I I was going to spend eternity in hell, yeah. uh, and uh, received Christ, uh, like I say, as a, a nine-year-old. Yeah, my son's in- nine, and like, there's something really, nine-year-olds like come in conflict with their emotions in a way that he didn't when he was eight or seven, like things become really real at yeah, that age. It, it did for me. It was, it was coming clear that uh, I, the whole issue of sin, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed up to that time I didn't comprehend sin, right. but but... At that age, I, I began to realize that that I I was a sinner. Wow! Uh, and so, I, it was an easy decision. I, you know, my parents obviously were all about that, and uh, 
and uh, so trusted Christ as my Savior and stayed involved in church throughout my high school years, but really not a lot of discipleship and not a lot mm. of deep Bible teaching. You yeah, know? So, which is common among independent fundamental churches yes, at that time. Yes, absolutely. Lots of evangelism, but... Yeah, yeah, lots not of evangelism, really. not much discipleship, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, just come to church and and tithe, and you'll you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so go off to school after high school. I mean, right after high school, left thirty days. I went to a tech school in Atlanta, and uh, you know, didn't really live my faith. Uh, out of school, went into uh, electronics technology. Okay. Worked for a computer company, and that's what took me to North Alabama. Actually, was to mm. work for a. Um, a computer company. Okay, so you grad, you were, you fell away from the Lord a little bit in your college years. Yeah, and yeah. then after you graduated, you ended up in North Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So college wasn't, you know, wasn't a good thing for mm-hmm. me. I mean, as far as spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of foundation, you know. And so um, had that basic faith, knew that I was a believer, knew that I could never live my life outside of the authority of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but yet still tried to. Yeah, and 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 with the influences of the world, uh, I was drawn away and into that. And, but probably uh, tons of guilt and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and knowing it, it wasn't good, and mm-hmm. got out of school, went to North Alabama to work for this company, and and long story short, uh, ultimately a, a coworker uh, that was a really good friend of mine, fishing buddies. We lived in North Alabama, lots of water there, mm. and you know we'd go bass fishing, and right. he came to Christ through the ministry of Decatur Baptist Church. Oh wow! Uh, so this guy lost friend. Yeah, the guy fish, worked fishing next to buddy. Me. Yeah, played softball together, fished together. He discovers Christ, and then suddenly that just rocks you. Oh, like. I can take you to the place we were sitting uh, in a pickup truck in Decatur, Alabama. I could talk, take you to the exact spot, and wow. go there in my mind where he he looks over at me and says, "Hey, man, I uh, I, I I accepted Christ. I'm gonna get baptized." Did this he even Sunday. know you were a believer? He did. Uh, he knew my faith, and you know. I probably wasn't a great example. Right. <laughs> I wasn't. So he invited me to come, you know, come to my baptism. Uh, mm. And I went with him. And, and this, that, that day that I went in that church was the day I walked in there, and there's a couple of hundred people in, in the room. And, man, I, you know, I grew up in this little tiny southern f- church that was a lot of family and people that mm-hmm. I'd known my whole life. Yeah. To walk into that environment terrified me. It seemed huge. It seemed huge. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so much beyond what I had experienced previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. But man, God rocked my world. Uh, you know, just even from the conversation, it, it was it was a, a monumental moment in my life where God just convicted me. You know, there's a lot of guilt mm-hmm. previously, but man, this was conviction. It was yeah, redemptive, right. and, yeah. and it was corrective. And and God just said, "Man, you should you should have been witnessing to this guy, and he's witnessing to you." Wow. So uh, I went with him and. And that was my introduction to Decatur Baptist Church. I, I walked in there as a twenty-something-year-old uh, guy. Um, the reason that my friend had come to Christ was one of the staff members, who's actually a staff member still there today. Wow. Rex Terry was there. Oh, he's he's the worship leader. The worship church. leader yeah, at the church, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and was starting a singles ministry back then. And he had visited my friend's girlfriend and and. And when my friend was there at her house, and so mm-hmm. he just shared the gospel with him. He receives the gospel, and and so anyway, we connected with that uh, with that singles ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, some names, you know, Jeff Bartell would be a guy who who yeah, showed you guys up. Kind of came up together. Yeah, at that yeah. same time, he moves in from uh, actually from California at that point, and mm-hmm. it was just a it was a God thing. Just a a lot of people came together. 
at that same time and sort of hit at that same time. You know, there was a there was a synergy there. Yeah, the, a God movement more than just a synergy. Yeah, and I want to hear about that because I think you know we're here. Um, we're doing this interview at Mission Focus. Yeah, right, and uh, that's when we're recording this, and um, that's that's because. You know, similar movements to to what you're describing were taking place kind of in, in places all over the U.S. And now we've got this family of churches who, over time, right. has retained this obsession with the Great Commission. Right. And uh, and everybody's got a slightly different story. So maybe you can tell us about what it was like to be discipled up, um, if I can use that word, discipled up in the midst of an exciting time of growth at Decatur Baptist. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I sensed that presence here at Midtown. You know, mm-hmm. it's very similar, uh, a group of, of young people who are passionate, uh, who, who are seeking truth and, mm-hmm. and looking for direction in life. You know, at that time, even at Decatur Baptist, we were still not formally discipling. Mm-hmm. It was just really cool how God was orchestrating events and the timing of things, you know. He's, he's just amazing how He does that mm-hmm. and bringing people together who who have a heart for him and what he wants to do and then putting all the resources in place. Yeah. So about the same time, you know, uh, Rex was connecting with some folks at Kansas City Baptist Temple. Okay. Our pastor Doug Ripley w- was a, a friend of Jeff Adams and mm. and so that connection was happening all at the same time late that's late 80s. Yeah. Mid to late 80s. And so explain that cuz some of the listeners aren't going to be familiar. We've we've talked about this on other other podcasts, but um Maybe describe what KCBT had and how they influenced, particularly in the area of discipleship, how yeah. they influenced Decatur. Yeah, so just having that systematic approach. You know, when, when Doug Ripley came as pastor there, he, he had a thing he called discipleship evangelism. And so just a, a systematic approach to sharing the gospel with some follow-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was sort of a, a light, discipleship light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we got connected with, with the Baptist Temple, it was... This idea of a one-on-one, ongoing relationship that's going to last six to nine months, and right. and then even to see the Shepherd School and and how it went beyond you know just a personal relationship to a classroom setting, and mm-hmm. and so actually some of the folks in our singles ministry, I I, I wasn't part of it, but uh, my my wife now, not my wife at that time, was part right. of it. They came okay. out here to Kansas City and and visited with the singles ministry and mm. you know just got the vision they caught yeah. the vision seeing the group that huge ministry at Kansas City Baptist mm-hmm. Temple at that time you know the singles and ultimately what happened like happened so much back then was they brought a team mm-hmm. uh, a team of folks came uh, from the Baptist Temple Greg Axe was on that team yeah. one of the Living Faith Fellowship right. pastors yeah uh, Del Moline mm. uh, was one of the guys that came uh, and just you know, coached us and taught us and laid out the philosophy of discipleship and mm-hmm. gave us the biblical understanding of, of what it means to reproduce the life of God that's within you and another person right. and, and explain this is how this tool will work. And man, you know, it just was so exhilarating and exciting to consider the possibilities that, you know, yeah. man, we could do this thing. And uh, the equipping, yeah, you know, is like the beginning of, of you know, because it's zeal. It's such a big deal. It's sure. so important. But then the idea of like continuing to grow without the tools to do it, it's it's difficult. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and it, it just gave a gave a foundation, mm-hmm. you know, to everything. It it just really got us into the word of God, the authority of the word of God. Um 
and really built a foundation around that and, and gave us a way to, uh, for me, you know, having grown up in church, and I'd heard the Bible stories and I knew the Bible stories and, uh, you know, some general ideas about things, but man, the, the Bible really, that, that for the first time for me, became my authority, and, yeah. and I began to understand this is more than just a book. Right. This is more than just sermon material or, or fun lessons. Uh, these are the words of God, uh, and they are alive, and they are mm-hmm. real. And this book, you know, to, to come to the doctrinal understanding of the Scriptures, not just the historical, not just the inspirational, right. but here's a doctrinal application uh, to the Word of God. Yeah, that informs every aspect of your life. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. This is not just, uh, this is not part of my life. Right. This is my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, th- that group of people uh, jumped on that. And, and really, you know, there was a, there's a core group. Jeff Bartell would have been part of that core mm-hmm. group and myself. And there's, there's other, other folks that in the ministry today, on the mission field today. And, um, it really, really transformed who we were as a group, but but it it really spread to the whole church. Mm-hmm. The singles really started that, but then it it branched out in that that training to the whole church, mm-hmm. and and then went on from that. So you know, a few guys like like myself and Jeff were saying, "Man, we you know this is cool, and and we want to be available to God." I, I again, I still remember being challenged by. Our leaders to make ourselves available to God, and you know we've heard it said over and over again: the call to missions is a call to preparation. And, yeah, and and God said that to me. You know, hey, it's cool that you think you're available, but mm-hmm. you're not, right. because you're not prepared. Right. Uh, and so we began to talk with our pastor, and hey, what can we do in Shepherd School of Ministry? And and so we started that their indicator as well, and took mm-hmm. the discipleship to, to discipleship two, and then another level of, of Shepherd School of Ministry, and. And Jeff Adams would come, and Bob would come, and and do weekend stints, you know. And, yeah. And we spent uh, a few years every Saturday morning for you know we'd start at eight and go to till noon, uh, just going through the as a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you put, a, the, was a you very, put the VHS tapes in. Is that how you did it? Or no, back then. I mean, we were teaching live. Okay. Uh, for uh, with our staff there at our church, and yeah, uh, and some some and they, other. They had the material. Yeah, and they were teaching through the Shepherd School material. Yeah. So we went through discipleship to, too, and then yeah. and then the Shepherd School material, yeah. and then and then we would have the occasional weekend where one of the guys from Kansas City would come. Cool, and they, you know we'd spend all Friday night and all Saturday, and they'd lecture and, then and Sunday. They'd lecture and, yeah, yeah, we'd go through a, a semester's worth of material on a weekend. Oh wow! And along with that, you know, there's practical things. You know, uh, Rex again. It's just a crazy story. You know, he he discipled me. In the late '80s, and now we serve on staff together. It's amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, which know, I can't. Uh, we'll get to that part where you yeah, get to yeah, share yeah. how you kind of came back to Decatur. But so how? To, but you know, during that time, obviously, you were super excited, and you were learning, you were growing, you're getting equipped. What did it look like the moment God was leading you uh, to to go and do other work? I mean, how did you process that with your pastor, and what did that look like, and where did you end up? I went on my first mission trip. Uh, Belize, Central America. Cool. Uh, with the Maya Indians uh, in the jungle, man. I mean, just sleeping in a church on a cot, very primitive. Yeah. Uh, our pastor, Doug Ripley, at that time, you know, was with us and really became deathly ill uh, while we on were the there. Trip. On the trip. Wow. He was really, really sick. Whoa. And so we were all going along. Jeff was there 
and a lot of us guys, you know, we were kind of on a look and see, you know, we're going to go and observe while our pastor preaches these revivals throughout these jungles and, mm-hmm. you know, and that'll be cool. We'll have a good time. Uh, well, Doug gets sick and it's like, hey, Doug's, Doug's down. You guys got to cover. Uh, and so, you know, here I am terrified standing in a thatch hut, you know, trying to share a gospel message with these people who, you know, it's very foreign to me. Yeah. And you um, got a translator there yeah. and it's, which that's clunky, especially yeah. if you've never done it before. Yeah. And not expecting to have to. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. But, uh, you know, the overwhelming thing was that God would use me. Mm-hmm. So I came home from that trip with that burning in me that if God will use me, why would I do anything else? Right. Why why waste your life on something else? If if he's willing to to use me, I'm willing to be used. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, that commitment to be available and then and then the commitment to be trained and and so I walked through that whole process. It was uh, about a three year process of the the institute that we mm-hmm. had. Uh Completed that, you know, and and at the same time, I'm with this corporation that I've been working with, field field engineer. Yeah, and um, about the same time that I'm completing my training at church, I'm completing a training program with them. Okay, where they had really devoted a lot of time to me and a lot of money. Yeah, uh, and so they put a lot of pressure and said, "Hey, it's time. You know, we really need you to go to the field. Mm. We have this job for you in this other location, and uh, we're going to pay you a lot of money, and uh, it's going to be a job of a lot of prestige and and we'd really love to give it to you. And mm. and so, uh, you know, we expect that you're going to take it because we've really invested a lot in you. Right. Where, uh, where did they want you to move to? It was a place called Aiken, South Carolina. Uh, okay. Savannah River Plant is yeah. the place where they make plutonium. And uh, we had a lot of systems there. And so they, they were wanting me to go there and serve on that site as a field engineer. Right. It was a great job. It was a great location. I went there for a few weeks and worked it. And government site and uh, a lot of great things about it and a lot of money. Uh, and I'll never forget the day I sat down with uh, with Rex, my discipler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, I could take you to the spot where we sat down. And he, you know, I said, man, I, I'm really struggling because I feel like I'm abandoning you. Because, of the, you know, we're, we got the ministry going and mm-hmm. things are going well. And and he's my leader in my ministry. I'm still a single guy. And, uh, and he said, uh, you are. Whoa. I thought that wasn't what I was expecting. I didn't expect to get a you. Are, I mean, I expected. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Kind of a yeah. sad. Like it's okay. It's, God, God's leading you there. It's, it's your whatever. job. You know, right, you got to. Yeah. Everybody's got to have a job. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get that. I got to. <laughs> yeah, you're abandoning me. And 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 he went on to say, hey, you, what you need to understand is, uh, you don't move when the company says so. You move when God says so. Mm. And that was the confirmation I needed. I already knew wow. it was wrong. You in your heart, you knew. Yeah. yeah. So. So I went back to my boss and told him, I can't do this. And just, would you let me quit <laughs> and not fire me? You know, yeah, I'd rather right. not get fired. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it, he, I had a job. It, it wasn't the job I wanted, but uh, got a pretty serious demotion and, and worked a pretty unpleasant shift for a while. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, actually a little longer than that, but uh, the church there, we'd, we'd had multiple youth pastors and I think honestly, five in five years, you know, it was kind oh, of a revolving Which, door. Sadly, that's a whole other topic. But yeah. That's a common thing among youth pastors. Yeah. Isn't it? So, uh, so pastor calls me one, one morning at work and says, uh, I had actually gotten married in the process of that mm-hmm. time and started a young couple's ministry there in the church mm. uh, alongside the pastor. 
Um, and we were, it was going great. Uh, we were loving life. You know, we were young married. We were, got lots of friends and everything's going yeah. great. And he says, uh, I really need you to go uh, minister to students um, because, uh, you know, we've, we've got this issue of no stability and I need some stability. Mm. Uh, and so we committed to do that and uh, worked there at that for about uh, six months. And then, uh, you know, eventually, you know, it got to the place to where we just said, you know, we need to quit that job and, and come do this full time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think early on it with with the five years of cycling youth pastors, uh, I got an early introduction into what it means to try to change a culture. So I, you know, kids are pretty skeptical at that point. You know, so those kids yeah. that were seniors, you know, yeah, what's what's your trick? Yeah, you're just another guy. Yeah, you're just another guy. You know, and they feel abandoned at that age. Abandoned and 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 uh, yeah, a little jaded and. Uh, so you know we had to overcome some of those obstacles and prove ourselves, and mm-hmm. that we really we're here for the long haul, and, mm-hmm. and we care about you, and we care about the ministry, and uh, we want to invest in your life. Right. Uh, took a little time to establish that, uh, but uh, but ultimately we were able to, and you know just some great years of ministry with with students. Uh, we were. Um, responsible for a lot or in the early days you know it was, mm. i actually had preschool through college oh wow <laughs> fortunately a lot of good people around me mm-hmm. jeff at that time was leading the the middle school or junior high kids and cool you know i spent most of my time with high school students you know we saw a lot of kids come to christ and a lot of discipleship among students mm. uh, you know now i'm here a lot of years later and, and and now's when you really begin to see the fruit of that, you know. And in the midst of it, it's hard to see what God's doing and mm-hmm. to appreciate what God's doing. But but to see those people now, when it's kids, it's like you don't know if what you're doing has any effect whatsoever. Sure. And I how mean, long is this going to last? They, oh my they look gosh. excited today, right? Or they don't look excited. Yeah. And then just yeah. to find because I was that kid. Yeah. Like I just wasn't interested. But man, it when when I was ready really ready to hear yeah. it it all of those things came flooding back it changed changed my life absolutely but man working with kids it's there's a lot of days where you're like i don't know if this is having any impact at all and then to go right. onto the mission field and look around and see oh my gosh yeah look at them yeah, yeah. it's uh I, and i think that's the key to realizing that you know you don't try this thing um mm-hmm. it's a it's a lifetime investment mm-hmm. uh and ultimately, you know, eternity will tell. So after your f- 15 years of youth ministry, I mean, one of the things that I know about youth ministry, having been in it, is that it's hard to walk away from because yeah. you identify so closely with what you're doing and it consumes your life. Um, what did it look like to step away and find yourself in other ministry? And, and what was that ministry? Yeah, it was difficult. It took me a long time. Uh, God speaking for me to listen. Mm-hmm. And really, the way that God moved in me to to move me out of that was, um, you know, Haggai, where where he tells the children of Israel, you know, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed house, and while mm-hmm. this house lies waste? Yeah, consider your ways. Right. Um, and, and you know, passages like that, God spoke into my life um, that there were so many resources there. Uh, we had so many people who who wanted my job, <laughs> who would love to do what I was doing. Would have been just and, as passionate and as capable. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and 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 could do it probably better, and could do it better mm-hmm. than me. So, and and that and the realization that there's other places that that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And so maybe one, you're, I was too comfortable. Uh, life was too easy. 
Uh, and so, you know, I felt like God was calling me out to go do a, to pastors, a, a lead pastor somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, he spoke to me multiple places through his word about that. Um, ultimately convinced me that I needed to share that with the church uh, and really through the, the story of Abraham. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know where I was going, uh, but I, I need, I'm going. Yeah. And which was, you know, it's a little, uh, in, in most church life, you don't want to do that. It's not a very smart career decision to tell a church you're leaving and you don't know where you're going. Right. Uh, yeah. What was it like? What was Doug and Rex's response to that at the time? Well, of course, they were privy to all of that early on in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I early on when I realized what God was doing, of course, they you know they were the first people I'm talking to about it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and submitted to to Doug and his leadership and said, "I, I don't want to go. I want to be sent." Mm-hmm. And so you have complete veto power over anything, and right. I want your I want you to be a part. I want Decatur Baptist to be a part. I don't want to go do something on my own. I, I want your blessings in it to be a corporate thing. It's, I want the authority of this church mm-hmm. behind me. And so they were aware and supportive of, of all of that. Uh, but, you know, I, so I, and it's in October that I get up and tell the church, this is what God's doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and it was right on the heels of a missions conference, which was the greatest weeks of, of our church. Yeah. They're always so, fun, exciting. Yeah. Powerful. And everybody's excited about the mission. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and always, but after that week, you're on a especially uh, excited about it. And mm-hmm. so I share about that and what God's doing and just walk through the scriptures and what God had shown me. Uh, but man, uh, no doors opened, mm. you know, and, and there's no opportunities. And, and you had no thoughts in your mind about what it might be or. No, I, you know, and, and there were a couple of things, you know, along the way that came up mm-hmm. uh, through our connections with, with the Baptist Temple and, mm-hmm. and, and different places. And, you know, we checked those things out. And, and I actually, you know, I'm ashamed to say today I sent some resumes uh, and, and nothing, man. It was just nothing mm. I'm talking about for months. Wow. Uh, and in spring of that year, late spring, early summer of that year, I, I particularly remember a, a specific day. It was a Wednesday. Nothing's happening. And, you know, so the pressure's on now. You know, maybe you missed what God said. You know, you need to figure this out. You, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I really, you know, told God that day I was done, not with Him, not with ministry, but I'm done with this search. I'll, and I told yeah. Him that day, I'll never send another resume. Mm. Uh, you told me you wanted me to do this, and if you want me, come get me. Yeah. And actually, that day, a, a church called me. And, you oh. know, in hindsight, I realized I'm, the problem was me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to orchestrate this thing. I'm trying to make this happen, and what God's looking for is surrender. Yeah. He's just looking for me to be willing to submit to Him and surrender and allow Him to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I was willing to do that, yeah, that immediately that day, I, you know, I got a call that I remember it was a Wednesday because I got a call. My wife tells me there's a call. This is before cell phones. Yeah, right. Or right at the beginning anyway. <laughs> Your wife took uh, a message for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she told me about it, I was angry. I was like, what? I told you, God. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but not angry maybe is a strong word, but just, you know, looking confused, confused yeah. perplexed. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but it's crazy. I, you know, I called uh, with, with in, no pressure. On my part, mm-hmm. complete liberty. Yeah, if it works, it works. If it, if it doesn't, yeah. God, it doesn't. this is you. It's great. Yeah. If it's not, it's great. 
which is where God wanted me anyway. Mm-hmm. That was May, early May, and by June I was living in Cartersville, Georgia, pastoring Oakland Heights Baptist Church. Wow. Uh, you know, obviously, the moral of the story is when you let God do it. Yeah, it's a whole lot better. Yeah. What year was that? That would have been uh, 2004. Okay. Yeah. So, I was in, you know, on staff at Decatur from the early 90s until till 2004, late 2000, well, okay. middle of 2004. So, tell us about Cartersville. So, uh, went into a church there. It's very traditional church. You know, a church that uh, had a lot of great people. Uh, obviously, just uh, people who love the Lord, and uh, but not a lot of discipleship had gone on. Very similar to how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're so, familiar with that look and feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same, got it, same, uh, same look and feel that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, went into that with my eyes wide open, knowing that uh, it's going to be an uphill climb. Maybe, maybe didn't fully understand all of what is required uh, to attempt to change a culture. Yeah, and by change of culture, um, you mean introducing the church to discipleship. Um, what does it mean? Like, if you if you have a church like that, what's it look like to um, change that culture? What's the objective in, in your mind biblically? Well, I think uh, it starts with just being biblical mm-hmm. uh, and, and allowing the Bible to be the authority. Uh, you know, it is a discipleship process, and you know, I think. You know, in Second Peter one, he he walks through. You know, add to your faith virtue into virtue, knowledge mm-hmm. into knowledge, temperance, and you go right. down that continuum. Yeah. And it's 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 true in the life of a believer, an individual believer, uh, but it's also I think corporately true in a church that yeah, you walk through that process. And and so the the first thing is let's get to the place of virtue. Yeah, in the sense that. God is the authority; His Word is the authority, and and, and whatever the Word of God says, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to function: is in obedience to God's words. It's, you know, it's in in the South. You know, the Baptist Church can can look not dissimilar from a Catholic church or or other churches where there's a lot of tradition. There's yeah. a lot of things that are treated as if they were were biblical, and they're they're really just traditions. Mm. And, and sometimes held in higher esteem than the words of God. Yeah. Uh, and so to get a church, the, the change in culture is to to get us, I guess, away from the culture uh, of, of Christianity mm. in the South and get back to a biblical model of ministry where uh, it is about taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, uh, that, that we each are responsible for that. Yeah. That this is not a uh, you know this is not a Sunday event. It's not a social gathering. Uh, this is not a country club where you pay your dues and and come receive your benefits. Right. Uh, but this is this is a ministry we have been bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book is 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 His authority, and, and we need to live in obedience to it. We're gonna we're gonna preach and teach from it. Yeah. So it begins uh, with the pulpit. I mean, really. Right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And and. And stepping back from emotionalism, mm-hmm. uh, and so and and basing what we do on truth, mm-hmm. not just on feelings and emotions, and right, and, and to you know to go on to uh, living life on purpose and living life on mission, and, and realizing that it's it's really about eternity, and you know not just uh, not just here and now, and mm-hmm. having Simple a nice things. life yeah. and. You know, and things going well for you, and 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 like the things we've heard this week that 
God's not here to serve me. I'm here to serve Him. Right. He's He's not here to to give me my best life now. Right. I'm here to devote my life to Him and to His kingdom and to live for His glory, and and that's where life is found. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know that that takes time. It takes a process. It's 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 not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough um, because you deal with so many strongly held traditions. Sure, uh, and to uh, to try to help people uh, change is, is tough. It takes time. It takes um, patience. Yeah, uh, and you know, and to not be not to treat people like a project or or to make the yeah, church about you. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be real. Uh, and so we had a measure of success of doing that, uh, and, and saw the church grow, and saw the church get involved in missions mm-hmm. and get involved in discipleship. In fact. Uh, uh, First Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Ohio, with Mark Trotter back in mm. back then, mm-hmm. came and brought a discipleship team, like a discipleship wow. team had come from Kansas City Baptist Temple to help them, and, and also us in Decatur. And, and so we implemented discipleship and saw a lot of you know we saw a lot of people grow and develop. We actually planted a church out of that church, and mm-hmm. um, you know saw a lot of cool things happen. So you can uh, you can say that from the time that you came to the, even to the time that you left, or even today. That you saw that transformation take place that you were hoping for. Yes, sir. I, I think so. And you know, it's you never you never fully yeah, get right, there, right? right. Yeah, you know, sure, I don't think we ever course. apprehend, sure. right? We're, we're just but you, you, man. The guy that you entrusted with the pastorate is a stud. He's a stud, man. Yeah. He's you know, I, I told them it's James DeCoker, and mm-hmm. uh, just so he was, he came over. He actually was in that ministry indicator. Uh, he was saved as a. As a middle school kid mm-hmm. uh, in our ministry indicator, and grew up and was discipled there, and uh, turned around and served in the ministry uh, with us in the high school ministry. And then when I went to Cartersville a year later, he came over mm-hmm. uh, and served as our youth pastor. And uh, yeah, man, he's just he's a he stud. was your right hand. Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, he's an awesome guy. I told the church, you know, when so when I left, I turned the church over to him. The mm-hmm. church decided that and agreed with that, and. Uh, and I, I told them, I, you know, they were definitely upgrading. Uh, they were getting a serious upgrade. <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to have him on the show at some point. Yeah, but um, so man, okay, it's a real weird story. This this turn of events, you handing the pastorate at OHBC over to James, coincided with the decision to go back to Decatur. Tell us about that. Yeah, that came out of left field for me. I, I wasn't really anticipating. I mean, I knew that. So Doug Ripley pastored there. Uh, really, a lot of for credit. how many years was he? He was there thirty four years. Wow. Uh, the only so the church has has been there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighteen ninety eight. Uh, he was the only pastor uh, that that served more than ten years, and you know at the time, and wow. Uh, and he, he served for thirty four. Uh, was was retiring. Um, and, and I knew all that was happening, but really uh, wasn't on my radar. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I knew it. I prayed about it. You know, I I had ideas of what they ought to do, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so ultimately uh, they'd formed a search committee. You know, and uh, just a group of godly men in the church uh, that would consider it and pray over it and and be a part of that process. And ultimately, they contacted me, and mm-hmm. I was blown away by that. Uh, and really, honestly. Uh, when, when they first asked me about it, I just said, "That's just, yeah, that's no, that's not going to, that, no, that won't happen." <laughs> uh, 
you know, through, through, through the Word, again, God just began to speak. Very different than the time when I left Decatur. You know, mm-hmm. it was very early. He spoke to me and, and led me through a process, and then nothing happened until the end. Mm-hmm. Now I've got this, it's almost reversed. It's like yeah. there's this open door, but I don't have the Word of God. You got to surrender to, in a different way. To walk through this. Open, yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and and honestly, it was a little tougher for me to, you know, so I don't want to read anything into the Scriptures. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to come with preconceived mm-hmm. ideas and yeah. idols in my heart and with the idea that this is just stupid. Right. Because that's not my, you know, I don't get to make those decisions. Uh, so with a careful consideration of the Word of God, I believe that God clearly showed me in His Word that this is what we needed to do. Yeah. Uh, and so... Um, with that leadership and, and over, you know, they were gracious with me and were able to take a process of time uh, and, and work through things in Cartersville and work through that transition. So actually, I was we were able to have James installed as the lead guy there mm-hmm. before I left. Yeah, uh, it was like then, perfect. It yeah, seemed like it, it worked. Yeah, God just orchestrated things, mm-hmm. and and then I was able to transition to to Decatur. So the the thing I really want us to focus on, I mean, that you've kind of taken us. You know, all the way around the circle. Now that you're back at Decatur, you know, you at the beginning of the the conversation, you described a movement that you were a part of, right? Like sure. missions minded, discipleship oriented, exciting. And as it concerns the mission, now you have a really unique opportunity. You're back at the church that invested in you, and um, now you're responsible at some level, right? Sure. for um, envisioning and keeping the vision of missions alive. And so I guess my question is, um, what does it look like uh, for you to promote the Great Commission at Decatur now? I mean, what is that? Is that like? Has a lot changed? And, and, and if so, um, you know, maybe talk a little bit about just what God's doing in your heart to ensure that that, that, that movement that you experience is a movement that other young men and young women get to experience too. You know, somebody once said that that everything starts with a the man, then it becomes a movement. Uh, if, you're not care- if you're not careful, it becomes a machine yeah. and, and ultimately will end up as a monument. Right. Uh, and it seems like an in- inevitable truth that repeats itself throughout history over and over again. It does yeah. seem that way. And, uh, and so I, I think there is a tendency when... When you get up a certain size, and we we kind of got everything we need, we can sure. we can afford to do what we want to do. That uh, the pioneering pioneering spirit kind of dries up, wanes yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it does, generation sure. after generation. Yeah. yeah, and it's tough to keep that going. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that that's the challenge. I think is mm-hmm. to keep that that momentum and that movement. So it's, in coming back, the church is incredibly involved in missions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, financially, uh, they do as much as anybody I, I'm, I'm aware of. Wow. Just uh, Pastor Ripley Doug taught the church to be a giving yeah. church, and, wow. uh, and they do. Uh, they blow me away with with how faithful they are, and, and and he has really taught that for years that everybody is responsible for world evangelization, and mm-hmm. and that reaches to your wallet, and you need to you know everybody in obedience needs to give, but you need to go beyond. You need to grow to a sacrificial level of giving, mm-hmm. and and even a faith level of giving. Yeah. And so the church gives a lot, and uh, and that's cool uh, financially, but but my concern and, and what I see and I think the need that, that we have is to 
give our human resources mm-hmm. uh, and to see. We've, we've got a few guys that have been started going out, and, and there's a few guys on the field. We've had, even since I've been back, a, a two guys that have left for the field and another one that's kind of preparing to go. Cool. Uh, others that are preparing, but one's ready to, to actually do deputation. But, uh, yeah, my thing is to get us back to that place. So when... When I came back, and this was a passage that God used in my life, and, and there were multiples. And Second Kings nineteen is the story, but inspirationally, you know, and I'm reading, and, and God God gives me this Second Kings nineteen, verse twenty eight, because thy rage against me, and thy tumult has come up into mine ears. Therefore, will I, and inspirationally applying this to sure. my life. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's talking about Sennacherib, and and mm-hmm. but but I will put a hook in thy nose. Uh, and a bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of the passages God said to me. I, right. you know, I'm taking you back there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can resist if you want to, but yeah, regardless of how you felt about it, yeah, it's not yeah. your business. Yeah. Just do what I tell you. And, mm-hmm. and God knows He needs to talk to me like that. <laughs> uh, the the second part, you know, God's actually talking to Hezekiah, and and it gave me a a word for how we needed to handle things in the church. He he, you know, he says, "This is a sign. You shall eat this year the things that grow." of themselves in the second year that which springeth of the same, and in the third year sow ye and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. And the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward, for out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I felt like God was showing me that in going back, something that really needed to happen was, you know, in these first couple of years, and that's right now, I'm, I'm at the two-year mark, mm. actually this week. Wow. Uh, that... What we needed to do was reestablish discipleship. I mean, it was there, uh, but it needed to be reinvigorated mm-hmm. uh, and needed to be re-encouraged. And, you know, just uh, to, to get back to that movement, it, it kind of had become machine-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, that's what we've been working on in these these two years is to get, you know, we've, we're following a lot of you guys, what well, you guys are doing, man. You guys are a model for us here at Midtown. You're an example. Uh, to us and an encouragement to us. And so we've implemented COD, mm. you know, learned that yeah. from you guys. Sure. Uh, we're using the Living Faith Discipleship Lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got that going again and, and, and using the, you know, the checkpoints and making sure that it's more than just, you know, walking through a discipleship, you know, process. I'm not just a, a lesson, yeah, teaching but it's of a lessons, transfer but of it's, life. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about goals and, uh, and, and, What's the impact it's having in your life? Right. You know, How are you living this out? Yeah, and, and using that Second Peter 1. Mm-hmm. So we talk about virtue, and, and early on, before we add knowledge, we want to make sure that you're, you're getting virtue. Sure. So it's not just filling your head with some facts, but you know, these are things that we live, and this is our authority, and you need to be a worshiper of God in, in the sense that you bow before Him, and you bow mm-hmm. before His Word, and you're going to do what He says. And, yeah. And then add knowledge, and and then take that that knowledge that you've received and temper it so that it becomes effectual in the ministry, and you can do something with yeah. what you're learning. Genuine, genuine sanctification, yeah. to take place. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the only way to produce the leaders that you need to send people on the field. Right? Absolutely, like it's got to start there. It's the basic thing. Yeah, without that foundation, you, you have nothing. And um, so you, this is, I mean, this process. You experienced this process yourself when you right. guys, when your church discovered discipleship and that that. There was that excitement and that fervor, but then you had to do, you had to replicate that. Like it was your responsibility going to take that to Cartersville, and now you're back at the church that sent you originally, and it's like you're you find yourself in this process all over again. That 
invigorating and that instilling and starting at the pulpit and calling people to what's that like well i think it's just uh, affirming of the the reality that uh, you know you're never done that this is mm. this is something that we constantly have to be working on and yeah constantly uh, reminding ourselves. I, I love the fact that the Living Faith Fellowship has a discipleship conference mm. every year. I yeah. I need to be March there. March 21st to the, the 24th, 24th this year. In Cartersville, Georgia. In Cartersville. Yeah, at Oakland Heights with awesome. Pastor James DeCoker. It'd be yeah. great. But I, I need to be reminded of that. I, I need... It's so easy to get distracted. It's so mm-hmm. easy to think that this new shiny thing is, is yeah. going to work for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just it's it's just affirms that you know, life really is about reproducing the life of God that is within us in someone else. Yeah. And and that is ministry. Uh, that's really what matters. The Word of God, the souls of men, mm-hmm. uh, and the rest of the stuff is just not that important. Uh, and so we've just got to keep that in front of them. And, you know, we can produce all these nice polished church services and have our lights and our cameras and uh, our our band and all mm-hmm. these wonderful things, but if if no transformations happening, right, it's really pointless. Yeah, and we have a tendency in our flesh to forget that. Right, all of us. I I, I struggle, yeah. uh, and so we've got to constantly be going back to that simple message that it's the gospel. It's it's the word of God. It's life on life. It's yeah. relationships. It's Loving and caring about people, loving God and loving people. It's the great command and the great commission. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in our church, we describe it in five E's. You know, as, as we evangelize and encourage and edify and equip, we're exalting God. And, yeah. and we keep doing that in a cyclical fashion so that we're, we're constantly pouring into other people's lives. And, you know, the first time around, it is a process, and you're walking through that process. You need to come to Christ. You need relationships in your life. You need to be discipled. You need to mm-hmm. be trained. Mm-hmm. But then you need to. It's not just for you to consume that. You 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 need to give that now to someone else. Yeah. And, and that's how you glorify God as you multiply yourself um, through that process. Yeah. Well, Joe, that's. I mean, that's awesome. It's so good to hear that God has brought you back to Decatur to encourage, you know, this very thing in, in the church. And uh, we're, we love Decatur. Um, mm-hmm. our, our church, Living Faith Fellowship as a whole, loves Decatur. And we're really hoping that the relationship uh, between your church and the fellowship begins to, to get tighter and tighter and, Amen. and that we can affect each other's lives and encourage each other in the Great Commission. You know, as I went there, I, uh, that was one of my, as I talked to the leadership, you know, that... Mm-hmm. that I won't say it was a prerequisite, but I said, right. you know, if, if I come, you know, this comes with me. This, yeah. this fellowship is really important to me, mm. and uh, we we need to we need to be around folks like these folks because yeah. they're good folks and well, and they encourage us to, you're to really, do the right things. You're really important to us. I mean, the yeah. effect that you have. I mean, just in terms of what you share with us, in terms of your teaching, is super important, and we're grateful for you. And I'm thankful that you hung out with me today. Ah, my privilege. Thank you. And we're thankful that you hung out with us as well, you the listener. Um, we would invite you to come back again and listen again. I'm going to do another interview with Pastor Joe, and we're going to talk about ministry philosophy. We're going to talk about uh, more of the nitty-gritty of what it looks like uh, to have a ministry that that exalts God and that that encourages and equips and does all those things, is evangelical 
And what does it look like uh, to live that out from day to day? So we're going to have that conversation next time we're together. We want to invite you to join us. We want to invite you to check out lfbi.org. All of this conversation is is a kind of conversation that you're going to hear on a regular basis when you get educated through the Bible Institute. And you're going to learn uh, doctrinal things, but you're also going to learn what it means to be a leader and, and how to follow Christ and how to minister to people and how to instill all of these character qualities that we're talking about uh, in, the, in the people that you invest in. And so we want to invite you to check out lfbi.org, check out our current lineup of classes. And uh, we want to invite you to come back, like the show, subscribe, share it. Uh, But we're grateful for you, and we ask that God would bless you. See you next week. My name is Dallas Slaughterdale III, man. I just want to give you guys a little bit of background of my story. 2016, I graduated from Moody, and Pastor Trotter was like, hey, we're about to start another semester in, in LFBI, man. Why don't you hop on it? So... I did, man. I learned more in those three classes than I did in two years enrolled in movie. LFBI is what I was looking for back in 2014 when I enrolled in Moody. It has increased uh, my zeal for the Word of God and for the God of the Word. I really encourage anybody who is out there that is that is seeking God. This is the place where your excitement for the Word of God and again for the God of the Word will increase. So. Hopefully I'll be seeing you guys soon. Take care.